Sports stories from the 419 in Northwest Ohio brought to you by a voice you know. It's time to go around the area and around the Hearn. Hello there. Merry Christmas to you and welcome to probably the final around the Hearn of 2022. My favorite and least favorite week of the year in that there's a lot of things going on. A lot of cool tournaments and a lot of uh, great action. But also the last week of the year, and it always makes me sad because we, it's kind of uh, see where we've come from, where we're going sort of thing. The uh, 22 season has been uh, terrific for Northwest Ohio. You look at state championships, records that have been broken, coaches who have gotten milestone games, and it's been pretty cool. But uh, a lot of personal things, uh, 2020 can go ahead and head right, or 2022 rather, can go ahead and head right out the door with 2020. Uh, nobody will be all that sad to see it go. We've got a, a big week of the show as the uh, Parkway girls basketball coach, Dave Williamson, will be in the house. We'll live via phone. And not really live, but uh, tape delight. Talking about his team's 10-win season and what they have before they start in the new year of 2023. Sierra Rupert will uh, talk about St. Mary's Swim and about her club season as well and try to explain to me exactly the intricacies of the swimming world. And uh, an old friend for me, guy that I've known uh, for a while from my Springfield days. I was just watching some video from uh, about 10 or 11 years ago. Now, in uh, Tim Carey, he might have the coolest story of all in that uh, he was just on Wheel of Fortune a couple of days ago from the uh, Greater Dayton area. And if you haven't seen the episode, I'm sure it's on YouTube and on the internets as well. But uh, I-, I love that all three of those people were able to uh, come on this week even with the uh, Christmas season kind of uh, jammed in the middle and made some time. I can't say enough good things about those three. Uh, looking at the world of things going on, uh, first, big shout-out to uh, Carla Siegel, the head girls basketball coach at Fort Loramie, picked up her 500th win to go along with the mantle of a state titles they have down there in Loramie. will actually be in about a week and a half when Ottawa Glendorf plays down there on a Saturday afternoon, and then uh, a week or so after that, for the MLK tournament in six games in one day for the boys' side. Biggest news, Coldwater's Evan Holman announced on Twitter he's headed to play college football at Tiffin, which is becoming a very popular destination for young men and women from Northwest Ohio. Riley Irwin from Liberty Benton is uh, headed there. She just happens to have broke the uh, three-point record at LB a couple of nights ago. Speaking of the BBC, where Liberty Benton plays, see what I did? Uh, they voted to kick out Van Lu. Just in football, beginning the 23-24 school year, uh, Van Lu uh, maybe goes to eight-man. Got to see what happens there. I'd love to get uh, somebody from out there and get a take on that. Coaching news, Bath hired away Lamar Houston as a new boys soccer coach from Allen East, where he spent eight years and won five Coach of the Year awards on the girls' side. And the women's soccer coach, Mark Bottomus, at Ohio Northern University for the last 19 years where he won 235 games, stepped down at Northern. He is going to be announced as a new uh, soccer coach at the University of Toledo. St. Mary's Wrestling, they get back in action on Wednesday and Thursday. They go to Marion Harding for the uh, Harding Classic. It's been going on for 51 years. All the uh, boys and girls bowling teams still undefeated on the season. Our home on Tuesday against Van Wert. Coldwater's wrestling team heads to the Jay County Invitational on Wednesday and Thursday while their swimming team 
will be where uh, Sierra will be on, uh, I believe it's Tuesday and Thursday, or Tuesday and Wednesday, at the Lima YMCA Swimming Invite. You'll hear her talk about that coming up in a bit. Coldwater Cavs Boys and Girls Bowling will be at Salina, where they will battle St. Henry on a Tuesday. Some of the things going on from the easy-to-access websites of those particular schools. Big girls basketball games coming up this week. Audible Glendorf takes on Crestview, who just handed Liberty Benton their first loss of the year. And then the uh, ladies from OG travel to Columbus Grove on Thursday night. You can hear those games on WZOQ Radio. Spencerville has a big Wednesday and Thursday at the Bremen Invitational, where they have uh, St. Mary's and New Bremen playing in this uh, new tournament they've got down there the last couple of years. You can hear those on Z Sports 3. Audeville takes on Columbus Grove on Tuesday night. Audeville then goes to Kaleida on a Thursday night. That will be a, a big one. And also Tuesday night, you can hear on Z3, Spencerville and St. Mary's boys. That'll be a battle. Spencerville with just a, a couple of losses after suffering a rare loss last week. Uh, they've got 6'10", 6'7", 6'6", to have to deal with. Minster and Audeville boys coming up on Wednesday night. You can hear on WZOQ Radio. Same night as uh, Spencerville and New Knoxville boys. Tip it up. We've got Fort Jennings and Grove on Z Sports Live. Just some things that are uh, going on right now. I'm excited mostly about Friday night. Lima Central Catholic travels to Ottawa to take on the uh, Titans in the uh, boys sign. Other things going on. Fort Loramie on a Tuesday playing in an invitational down at Thomas Worthington. The Bath Girls Thursday night against Bluffton. And then Tuesday and Thursday, one of the uh, favorite nights at the Slot of Fieldhouse for me. Can't make it this year, unfortunately, but the Avisco Classic has got Salida to take it on Coldwater. St. Henry against Marion Local. And uh, the finals and the consolation for that on Thursday. You're going to hear that on WCSM. And then uh, Miller City and Ayersville on Thursday night. And at Continental on Friday night. Those will be good matchups. As well, boys' side this week, Perry and Wapak on Tuesday night, St. Henry Salina, and uh, the uh, AAA Holiday Classic on Wednesday night, same night as LCC at Shawnee. Van Word at Lincoln View was supposed to be just a uh, boys' start, but it'll now be the JV will play early in the day at Van Wert on both sides, the boys and the girls, and then it'll be a varsity double dip starting at 6 o'clock at Lincoln View on a Thursday night. Girls will go first. Boys will play after that. Uh, Friday night's also got Bremen and Elida. Marion Harding and Kenton. St. Mary's and Finley. That, uh, that'll be a good one as well. But uh, a lot of things going on before the uh, calendar turns. Something kind of cool. One of the uh, big sponsors of some things that we do on Z Sports Live. The Red Pig Inn. They've got all kinds of specials. Going on through the course of the week, and I hope that you had a Merry Christmas, and that wherever you go for uh, New Year's Eve, that you are safe. And with the way that the weather has been, I hope you're warm as well. But that is kind of a look at things going on around the area. When we come back, we'll talk Parkway Girls basketball with Dan Williamson. Talk about Wheel of Fortune with Tim Carey and a swimming with Sierra Rupert from St. Mary's. All of that. When we come back here. On Around the Hearn. The Spencerville Athletic Boosters are a 501c3 organization committed to supporting the student athletes at Spencerville Local Schools. 
All donations made to the boosters go to the athletes for new jerseys, huddle equipment, and much, much more. To learn more about the boosters and to help our athletes succeed on the field with your generosity off the field, please visit facebook.com slash Spencerville Athletic Boosters. Or if you have questions, please contact Sean McFerrin at BearcatBoosters at Outlook.com. Let's go Bearcats. Back as we talk about the unbeaten Parkway Panthers, ladies 10-0 on the year and off to an obviously great start as we talk to the head coach and Dan Williamson. And Dan, congratulations on the start of the season and that, that extra hard work you guys are putting in is obviously paying off. Yeah, absolutely. We're uh, we're excited about uh, you know what we've accomplished so far at the beginning of the season. Um, you know, the, the girls worked really hard uh, last uh, last off season over the summer. They put a lot of time in um, getting in the gym and and playing together with open gyms. So it's it's really good to see um, their their hard work paying off to this point. You've got an older group that's obviously got a, a terrific pair of leaders, but I mean. Four years ago, you guys go three and twenty. You picked up seven, nine, and fourteen wins in that span. Is there kind of something that that has changed, or is it just, I mean, to go back to it, the hard work's paying off? Well, a little bit of both. Yeah, I mean, we've we've got girls that have put a lot of time in um, you know, over the summer. Um, that's definitely a part of it. But I think you know we've kind of changed the mentality a little bit. You know, the, the girls. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, kind of hoped that we could win some games. And I think we're at the point now where they know that they're good enough to, to beat good teams. Um, and that's, that's kind of what we're, we're seeing the, the fruit of that right now, I think. When you get to that point, is that a, a specific conversation? You talk about changing the culture and changing the mindset. A specific conversation or just kind of maybe little things here and there of, okay, if we do this and we're half a second better or two shots more or whatever that maybe we could do some extra. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I first got here, you know, we, we talked about doing the, you know, doing the little things just a little bit better. Um, You know, can, can we box out just a little bit better? Can we take care of the ball just a little bit better? Um, Can we prepare just a little bit better? You know, can we uh, watch a little bit more film than maybe, uh, than maybe we're used to doing. Uh, So it's a combination of a lot of little things. Uh, and, and it's taken, you know, when I first got here, this is my fourth year, it's taken, you know, until this point to kind of see everything start to click. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a, a process that the girls had to buy into. And I think, um, you know, from day one, that senior class that I had when I first got here, they kind of started this whole thing. Uh, and then the, the senior class after that kind of picked it up and each group, you know, year after year has done a, a better job of kind of passing on what we've accomplished and, and kind of, you know, let the girls know, um, you know, it, 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 it can be done, you know, we can get better. Um, and it, it's just been a, a really nice thing to see um, the, the girls kind of take ownership in. I'm always kind of fascinated from a coaching perspective of with being able to look at other sports. And I know you have a lot of girls who are multi-sport athletes. It seems like that it's become kind of an infectious thing in terms of winning with the uh, ladies programs there at Parkway that everything is kind of on the upswing. Is there any carryover with having a lot of those same girls of they're going in and going, we don't have to say as much because everybody understands now. If we put the work in, we could get these wins. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, our, our volleyball team had a great season this year. Um, and, and a lot of our basketball players were on that volleyball team. Um, you know, cross country made it to, to regionals the last couple of years and we have some cross country runners. So we have a, a lot of, uh, fall sport athletes that had a lot of success and that, that definitely carries over because they have that confidence that they can compete at a high level against good competition. Um, and, and our softball team as well, they're, they're, uh, they, they had a great season last year and we have a lot of softball players too. So playing, playing other sports, um, you know, is, is good in, in that aspect because the girls get to compete, um, you know, obviously in different sports, but just keeping that level of competition up has been huge. I think. I always, that always makes me laugh because you can see for a lot of programs, uh, whether it's boys or girls, where if one program is good, then two programs start to get good. It just kind of builds. And people always say, well, what about why don't they just specialize in one sport? I mean, I've never kind of understood that. I, I kind of think maybe your success a little bit is because those girls are so well-rounded. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and at every every college coach that I've ever talked to or heard from, they want multi-sport athletes. Um, so the... I think the the perspective of yeah, I want to focus on one sport. Um, you know, every kid's different, but being you know being well rounded and, and well diverse, I, I think makes you a better athlete and, and a better person. Last night, you guys beat Salina by eighteen. You go in and you look at it, and Gabby has a big night with seventeen. Allison Hughes with a double double, sixteen and twelve. I mean, looking at just at that, your two big players on your front line combined for 29 and are just able to kind of set the pace of that game. What is it with those two girls? Cause I've seen a lot and heard a lot that they play so well together that makes them such a dangerous duo. Yeah. I mean, they, I don't think anybody on our team really cares who gets the credit. That's, that's one of the biggest reasons of, you know, kind of the, the success with this group. Uh, they all get along really well on the court, off the court, um, they, they move the ball so well, they share it really well. Um, they, they just, they don't care. They just want to win. Um, and, and I think that's, that's a really big part of, of the success, obviously. But, um, a, a lot of that goes into how they were coached when they were younger, you know, when they were in elementary, junior high, um, those coaches really, uh, impressed upon them that not, you know, one player can't do it all that you've got to involve your teammates and, they, they do a really nice job of, of leading us, you know, in, in the scoring, in the rebounding categories, but they're very unselfish, too. They'll, they'll definitely find open teammates. Murderer's Row is what pretty much any coach talks about in any sport that plays in the Midwest Athletic Conference. You guys have that built-in kind of playoff run throughout the course of the year, but what is it about your non-conference schedule that I, I look at it and I say, okay, they added some heavy hitters the last handful of years that you – maybe felt comfortable you, that you were at that level at that point to take those challenges on. Yeah. I mean, you want to, you want to you challenge yourself, um, you know, with every game that you play, um, you know, like you said, with our conference, um, you've got to show up every night and, and you've got to be ready to play because anybody can beat anybody on, on any Thursday night. Uh, it's going to be a physical, it's going to be a physical game. Um, you know, they're, they're going to every team's going to be well coached. The girls are going to be ready to play. So um, I, I think just having a tougher non-conference schedule kind of keeps you mentally 
um, kind of into it, you know, so you don't kind of, Oh, well, we can, we can relax tonight because we're playing whatever team, um, it, it, the tougher teams you play, you've got to show up every night and, and be ready to play. I'm sure at some point after this run that you've heard this because I've heard people say it of, oh, well, Parkway's off to a nice start. When you hear <laughs> that, I mean, you know, that's it's obviously a little bit different. We talked about the work kind of that you've been putting in, paying off in the sense of things are going your way. I mean, what does that – what's that do to your ears? Um. You got to take it with a grain of salt. Um, you, you know, when when things are going well, you don't want to necessarily buy into it. It's great to hear. It's you know, it's great to hear the the compliments and and everything. Um, but you don't want to kind of start believing the hype. You know, we we talk to the girls all the time about you know the the more we win, the harder we've got to push because we're going to get everybody's best game. Um, everybody's going to want to give us our first loss. Um, so we've got to show up ready to play and we've got to give every opponent our best game. Um, that's really the biggest thing that we've kind of talked about with our players. Um, and, and, you know, we talk every day, you know, the, the work that they put in, um, caused all of these things to happen. You know, all the recognition that they're getting is because of that hard work that they put in. So we want to keep reminding them that that's, you know, how we got where we are. Um, and, and we don't want to let up now and, and kind of slip up. Maybe more than a lot of other teams, you guys have almost a college break in the middle of your schedule with between yep. Salina and Botkins. Was that just because other teams and other sports <laughs> success, or did that naturally draw out that way? No, we've had that as our schedule for a while. Um, we used to host a holiday tournament here at Parkway, um, but that's been probably over for four or five years. Um, and we've just never been able to get, get an opponent to play during that time. Um, so that, that makes it tough having, having two weeks in between games. So we're, we're in the process of hopefully finding a team that we can scrimmage over, uh, over break. That way we're not off for two full weeks. Um, because the girls are used to playing, you know, two or three games a week. Uh, and then to be off for that long, you, you would definitely, there'd be some rust, obviously, when we came back in January. So um, hopefully that's something we can change in our schedule either next year or the year after. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of something that, that has happened that we haven't been able to, to kind of change yet. See, I always wondered if it would be harder if, you maybe weren't playing great, didn't have a winning record going into that break, or if it's harder now of playing well and trying to continue that with a, a two-week span between Salina and Bakken's. Yeah, I mean, you, you obviously want to be be playing well, um, but we, as, as well as we're playing right now, we definitely want to keep keep it going. Um, so I, I think with our you know our, our leadership coming back with our seniors and our juniors. Uh, I, I think this group can handle it. Um, you know, it, it's just one of those one of those things of you know a little bit of adversity. You know, how are we going to handle that? Um, you know, the, the girls so far this year, I think, have handled the the bits of adversity that we've come up against pretty well. So this is just another one of those things. I think uh, you know we'll have to challenge them mentally to you know show up every day when we practice. Um, but it, it'll be nice to be able to give them a couple of days off, um, you know, where if we were playing over break, maybe they wouldn't have gotten that, that many days off. So 
there's some give and take there as well. Um, you know, we can give them some time off that, that they'll need and they can kind of get refreshed mentally too. Coming out of the break, you go uh, four games away from home in a five-game span, uh, five games over 17 days. Cool places to go, Botkins for sales and Sonia Coldwater. Just not traditionally easy places for opponents to win. Yep, absolutely. Um, four, four, uh, four solid teams uh, that we're going to have to be ready to go against. Um, you know, Botkins has uh, has a new coach this year, so we'll have to do uh, we'll have to do a good job of uh, seeing what they have on film um, and showing up. And you know, Versailles and, and Coldwater obviously are going to be two tough mat games. Um, Coldwater has some good players. They have Riley Rissmiller, their six-five uh, post player. I mean, she's going to be a, a force to you know, regardless of how good you are. Um, and then Versailles is is an improved team from from last year. So we've uh, we've definitely got our work cut out for us. Um, but we obviously feel feel good about where we are too. I know that the coach's answer is the next one. But I would be remiss if I did not ask this. I always ask every coach, when you go through and you set your schedule up and you get a couple of days before the start of the season, is there a team on your schedule that you either look at as a litmus test or that you really like going against because you know that's going to be a massive challenge no matter how good or bad we are? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, every year in the MAC, you, you know, you – you definitely can count on Minster being solid. You can count on uh, Marion Local being solid. So those are definitely two teams that you can kind of see how good you really are. Um, this year, I, I think Coldwater could be that test just because it, you know they they pose a different challenge. You know, going up against a, a six-five post player. You know, can our girls uh, respond and, and play a little bit differently if needed? Um, so yeah, you you definitely want to challenge yourself against those good teams to kind of see to see where you are as, as your team. I have to ask this because it it's come up. I've, I've read it. When you go into the season, you guys are obviously pretty good right now at 10-0. I'm trying to think of a nice way to put this. Um, you've not won the MAC. Uh, St. Henry's not won the MAC. You finish at St. Henry later in the year. Is, with that set of expectations you talked about, talking to the girls in the preseason, something that has been brought up or is it something that we kind of, we go one game by game and kind of see where we're at? Well, you know, we do a little bit of both. I mean, the girls set their goal as winning the conference this year. Um, So that's obviously a conversation that we've had. Um, It's a conversation that we, you know, we'll continue to have, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to say that you know we're just completely locked in on one game um but you know we we do want to kind of look at look at the whole schedule um and we we definitely feel like we've we've set ourselves up um to be in the conversation to to win the mac um i mean everybody around here knows that the girls have never won the mac and and girls basketball um so that's you know, a, a goal that they set for themselves. I thought it was a, a reachable goal, uh, a, a really good goal. Um, so we'll just have to see kind of how that turns out. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, we kind of saw St. Henry at the end of our schedule. And, I mean, we knew that they were going to be a better team than last year because their incoming freshman class was really good in junior high. And, and they've proven to be 
a much better team. Um, so that could be that could end up being a, a pretty big game at the end of the season. See, I'm that guy that, from what I do for a living, I have to try to find stories to uh, to make things bigger. And and I thought it was <laughs> kind of apropos that Parkway and St. Henry are the only two teams without a title, and you can get to the end and possibly get your title by beating them. I that's just the the weird thing in me. I think. Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things. Um, you know, we we. You look at the schedule and you're like, oh, okay, we got, you know, we have Minster and, and Marion Local at home. Those are, you know, kind of the two big dogs. But then we got to go to Coldwater. We got to go to Versailles. We got to go to St. Henry. Um, so it's, you know, you, you kind of take take it with a grain of salt. But, you know, we don't want to kind of shy away or, or be afraid of having that conversation of, yeah, we, we, can, we can win the conference. Um, but we don't want to focus on, you know, the big picture. We still want to be um, taking care of business and playing that one game at a time. Outside of being 10-0, is this team where or near where you thought they could be through 10 games going into your break at the beginning of the season? Yeah, I mean, in, in some regards, we're ahead. Um, I think we're better defensively than I anticipated. Um, the girls have just really bought in what we have uh, asked them to do um, defensively. I mean, we're, we're probably giving up around 30 points a game. Um, so if we can continue to do that and guard people, um, I, I think we can continue to win a lot of games. Um, offensively, I think we're still a work in progress. Um, we're not shooting the ball as well as I anticipated we would. Um, and that's something that, that hopefully will come along. But the nice part is, is you know, Allison Hughes has, has been huge in the post for us. Uh, Gabrielle Stober has, has been awesome getting to, getting to the basket and finishing. Um, and, and a lot of other girls have stepped up too. So hopefully, you know, as the season progresses, our offense will, will uh, continue to improve. But we've also got to uh, keep working hard defensively. See, I like that question because I always uh, paint it to people of coaches are never happy. No. No, we're not. And if you we're are, not. probably something is about to go wrong. Yep. Yeah, I mean, after, uh, I, I don't remember what game it was, uh, but we had a, a pretty big win, um, and I came in the locker room, and I, you know, I was like, hey, girls, I'm, I'm never going to tell you that you played a perfect game. I'm always going to have something that we can work on. And they all nodded their heads. They understand. That's, that's just the way it goes. But, yeah, coaches, you're right. Coaches are never happy. It doesn't matter. You could win by 100. And coach, you know, the coach would still find something to nitpick about. Right, we missed two free throws. Yeah, exactly. I uh, I appreciate you. I, I'm so glad of what you guys are able to do, and I hope that the success continues the rest of the year. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's it's just been really exciting. Um, you know, the community is su- supporting us really well, and, and we appreciate that. Um, but yeah, hopefully we can continue to play well get some more wins and uh, hopefully by the end of the season you know we're com- competing for that MAC championship that's Dan Williamson the head coach at 10 and 0 Parkway we've got some more coming up here in just a couple of minutes 
Lee Kitzel, Sales and Service, 650 West Urban Road. New Chevys, Buicks, GMCs, and all your pre-owned vehicles. We've got an award-winning service department and an award-winning parts department. What a great team. 866-LEE-KINSEL, LeeKinsel.com, 650 West Urban Road, Van Wert, Ohio. Come see us and you'll leave happy. There's nothing like a Kinsel deal. We've been in business for over 50 years and looking forward to the next 50. 650 West Urban Road, Lee Kinsel Sales and Service. Come on over, Lima Land. It's cold outside. It's just before Christmas, and hopefully this is a story that will warm you up. A little different than what uh, we normally do on this show, but Tim Carey, who uh, covers the Miami Redhawks, and uh, I've known kind of for a while, is uh, something pretty cool. He was on Wheel of Fortune a couple of nights ago. And, uh, Tim, how does that come about? The odds seem somewhat small, but, you know, there's people on that show every day because They've got to come from somewhere. I filled out an application back in August and kind of worked my way through the process. Uh, auditioned in September, found out I was going to be on the show in October, filmed it in November, and then it aired this week in December. I, I read a lot. Uh, Springfield News Sun has a really nice article on you, and I know that's kind of with where you've come from and where you've been, some probably a little dear to your heart, but I mean, just the, the, the process of, of getting to that feels like it had to be almost a full-time gig. No, it, it's really not as involved as you would think. Like, you make a 60-second video, try and, you know, show us the personality. And, I mean, I'm a pretty detail-oriented person, so I did a good amount of research of, you know, other people that had gotten on the show or auditioned on the show, but it was never anything I was, like, crazy pursuing, just, well, it can't hurt to try, um, you know, but, but you, when you're good at solving puzzles and you're like, this is a game show, I feel like I would have a chance to be good at, but also what are they looking for in a contestant? So trying to solve that recipe, so to speak, and then at an audition, hopefully do your best both, both ways and prove, okay, I know how to fill in blanks of puzzles, but also I'm somebody that you can put on TV. I would think that would have to be one of the harder things of, how am I interesting, but not over the top? Yeah, like I, I prepped for it kind of like a job interview. I mean, I, you know, thought through kind of your story of what would be something that would get people's attention, kind of have a hook, you know, where do you come from? Like, they want to hear something on your audition video besides I wanted to be on my wheel of fortune my whole life because that's pretty much everybody. But you know, it, it ultimately boiled down to when I did watch the show, you're sitting in a room with somebody. I always seem to know what the answer was before the people on the screen and before the people I was watching. Everyone's like, you're really good at that. And so it's like, well, I'd love to have a chance to try. But the, again, the odds don't really seem all that in your favor. And it, it was cool that it worked out and you get a chance to one way or another at least have the experience instead of it being just a hypothetical. How long was it in between the time that you went out to California to tape that and the time that it actually aired? Uh, a little more than a month and a half. So we taped early November and then it aired December 22nd. Is that nerve-wracking that you kind of have to keep a lot of things to yourself? It was a lot easier to keep the secret about how the episode went when hardly anyone knew that I had done it. So the last week and a half before the show aired... You know, they sent you an official photo that you could put on social media and encourage people to watch and tune in. And then, you know, it becomes a conversation topic with lots of people, and it's a little hard to keep under wraps. But anything that you would win from the show, you don't get until afterwards. So 
you know, they take it pretty seriously, the whole no spoilers. And, um, yeah, you know, you kind of know the rules of what you're signing up for. And so it wasn't that hard to play along. I can imagine it's a lot of people of, oh, that's where you went. Yeah, it was um, the, a week that we had a road hockey series, and it worked out pretty well. They taped in the middle of the week, so I took a couple of days off. Uh, you know, somebody in our office filled in, helping out with our midweek press conference one week when I was gone. The hardest part is that day when you're taping, you can't be on your cell phone or anything. Like, I was about as far off the grid as you can go, and when you work in communications, you know, that's kind of hard to be like, it doesn't matter what happens, I can't check my phone to know what's going on, but... Um, yeah, people see you're gone for a couple of days and then start to put the pieces together later. How different was that? I mean, because when you look at it, it's 22, 23 minutes on TV with the with the commercials and everything, but it takes significantly longer to tape one of those episodes. Yeah, it flies by. It really does. I mean, they take little breaks where you would have like a normal commercial break. So after each round, you know, they would take the contestants off the set and you have a contestant coordinator or coach that's kind of helping you know, Hey, here's what's going to be on the next puzzle, like the theme, or don't forget this prize wedge is on the puzzle or whatever. And Pat and Vanna kind of go find out what the puzzle is going to be. But in general, it really does just fly by and, you know, Jeopardy or something like that. You have returning champions. Wheel of Fortune is like you only do once in your life. So I remember thinking when it all got done, like, okay, now I feel comfortable and know what's happening. Like, when do I get to play the game for real? And it's already over. Are you able to enjoy that while you're doing it? Or is it there's so much going on that kind of afterwards you take a deep breath and go, wow, okay, that that's what I've been trying to do? I enjoyed the whole experience, but the actual recording, taping, I really felt like it was more just kind of, you know, you're trying to manage and do the best you can. It's a weird mix of, you know, you, you know that you're, there are people there watching you live. So, I mean, you have a microphone, you feel like you're on a stage, but you also know it's going to get recorded and edited for television later and a lot more people are going to see it. So you have all of that to manage, but just trying to think about solving puzzles, you know, what you do with the wheel, where are my hands going to go? Like you've got this counter, you know, to kind of set your hands on. You're looking at the scoreboard. You're looking at a used letter board that lets you know what letters are left. Like when you watch the show on TV, everything is condensed on the screen in front of you. And when you're there, it's very spread out. And so just trying to think through everything in real time, plus solving puzzles, which, you know, kind of takes your whole express focus and concentration. Well, and it's a little bit different the last handful of years, obviously with COVID and with everything, uh, kind of even down to the way that you spin the wheel, right? Because you can't just grab it with your hand. You guys have a little device. Is that right? So they had been using devices to grab the spokes of the wheel this year. They went back to, you could actually just grab it, but uh, they were very serious about COVID protocols. Um, You know, they did testing the day before taping and um, on site and, people were wearing masks except when you were actually on TV, basically Um, they were sanitizing the wheel and the counter and all that stuff between each round, but they did go away from the whole something you hold in your hand to grab a spoke. Because when I watched it uh, for the, the couple of years that they had that, I kept thinking, I think that's what I would be the most nervous about because you're reaching across and you're trying to line that up perfectly every time. Yeah, I I definitely was nervous more than about a lot of other things. Of, am I going to be able to get the wheel to spin and move? And they have these 
you know, suggestions or tips of like how to best spin it because it's heavy. It's more than 2,000 pounds. But you get a chance to practice before it starts. And once I actually spun it the first time I practiced, I was like, okay, I'm relieved. Like, I'm not going to have to worry about that or, you know, think about it moving. Like, I was able to get it to go where I wanted it to. That would be the hardest part where I would just tell everybody else, hold on, I've got 10 more of these. You can get your turn when it's your turn. Yeah, I didn't want to be in a situation where I was like so self-conscious about spinning the wheel that I was going to have to change my strategy based on, oh, no, I have to spin the wheel again in front of people. So I was glad. I mean, you know, like I said, it's heavy, but it's a wheel. It spins, it moves, and that was encouraging once I finally got a chance to try it. I know they're big on, uh, they edit out things that, like you were talking about to kind of make it run smoother that maybe don't affect the game itself. Did you find watching it back that there was maybe one or two things that you picked up of, oh, okay, they they kicked that one out? Yeah, there were definitely a couple things like that. Um, you know, the biggest one, from my perspective, it, you could tell that they kind of tighten up the time when people are going to spin. So if you're sitting up there hesitating on what you're going to do, do I want to spin? Do I want to buy a vowel? Like that all disappears. And even though I played the game a million billion times on a computer, on an app, like in my head, I definitely had my mouth open to call a consonant at one point before spinning the wheel, which uh, seems impossible and irrational, but in real life, there's just a lot happening. And, I definitely had it not quite out of my mouth, but when you watch the show, you wouldn't have had any idea. People who don't follow you on Twitter, first of all, are missing out because you do great work with Miami of Ohio and especially with the hockey team. But I'm fascinated now by the last line in your Twitter bio. What is the deal that you say Pat Sajak told told you to stop tweeting? It was funny because on the show – one of the things that they had found when you fill out the survey kind of for your pat chat, they call it, uh, you know, things that he might ask you about. I had gone back when I was searching through Twitter and seen a couple of old tweets. I mean, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, of things when somebody had mentioned, Oh, I want to be on wheel of fortune. And I kind of jokingly said, well, let me know if you ever figure out how or something like that. So that was one of the things he asked me about on the show. And I said, you know, I've been on Twitter a long time. I think I got, my account back in 2009 or something like that and it was interesting to go back and look at those tweets from however long ago because i've wanted to be on the show my whole life he's like oh you made it you can stop tweeting now so i thought i might take that quote out of context and use it for a while <laughs> someone will tell him that and i'd be like wait what that's re- i mean that's that's funny though because that's something that you know you can look at the journey as a whole and you might forget one or two things later but you'd be like no i'm i'm gonna hold on to that one for a while yeah, and the little chance that I had to talk to Pat and Vanna, it was cool because, you know, Pat is a big hockey fan, and so he said something about hockey when I mentioned it on the show, and then I got a chance to kind of talk to him a little bit afterwards. Enjoyed that. Speaking of hockey, you've got uh, the season going right now with Miami as they sit at 6-10-2 and overall. That big lull in between those back-to-back games in Oxford where they split with St. Cloud State now the end of the year, a a double dip with Niagara. What is the, what's the breakdown though? Because you go 20 days off, then they play Niagara in Oxford and there's another two weeks. Is that just the way that the school breaks down at Miami right now? Yeah. You got a little bit of break over the holidays. Uh, Last year was even bigger break. We did not have a series kind of this year is the 30th and 31st 
Um, the World Juniors traditionally happen over that time. So Red Savage from our team is part of Team USA, and they'll be competing. I think the first game is the 26th, so looking forward to watching that. Uh, but, yeah, we play in you know probably the greatest conference in college hockey, the NCHC. I think there were five teams last year in the national tournament out of our eight-team league. So, you know, every night is a battle and hopefully coming off that win against St. Cloud State, they were ranked number four in the country. I think we beat them five to zero and hopefully build off that momentum going into the second half of the year. Are you making all of these trips throughout the course of the year? Uh, No, uh, my department focuses on home events, especially. So I'm usually at home games and then helping, you know, in other sports besides hockey as well. And we can do post-game press conference after road game. We'll do over Zoom, that sort of thing. Well, then you luckily don't have to go to Denver and Omaha in January. That seems like that uh, that might be pretty cold. I look outside today and seeing all the <laughs> snow. You know, they're definitely you never quite know where you're going to get in a winter trip. What's uh what what is it about college hockey that maybe people don't realize or, or don't know with how that season goes? Because it seems like it's pretty much. Uh, a marathon in terms of being able to go from beginning to end, but it's a sprint in that there are a lot of games jam-packed in there on back-to-back nights. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely interesting with having basically two-game series pretty much every weekend. I like the symmetry of it, honestly. I mean, you know, from a perspective of a press conference or game notes or what your workflow is like, like uh, pretty much every week there's games Friday, Saturday, uh, but it is a long season. I mean, we started October 1st. I think that was the earliest start date in uh, Miami hockey history and heading into, you know, postseason play beginning mid-March. Right now, uh, a lot of big things going on. Uh, you've just got to be, I-, I would think, pretty happy in that you go from one thing to another to another. I mean, it, it, I've always noticed that you talked about being detail-oriented. That's one of my favorite things about things you write is that I can look at it and go, okay. I know exactly what I need to know now. Yeah, I mean, I am a firm believer in the idea that everybody has a story. And as we try and, you know, build awareness for Miami athletics, like whether it's players, coaches, administrators, alumni, uh, one of the reasons that I was drawn to working in college sports as opposed to like a feature writer with a professional team or something. I mean, if you're a writer for an NFL team, you were writing for three or four month season. And then the majority of your year is off season work where here, you know, there's always a sport happening at Miami and it's neat to be able to, even though I help with the media coordination and, you know, contact perspective for hockey, you know, I can, am involved with football, basketball, all these different sports to be able to go and write stories and even learning more about sports that I didn't know as well. Um, so I write feature stories. We publish them at MiamiRedHawks.com slash front row features. And so a lot of the things I write are published there. Um, over, since I started working at Miami in September 2021, I've learned more about field hockey. You know, we have a great program in that sport. Uh, learned more about synchronized skating. I wrote a story about the steeplechase and track that, you know, things that I would always wonder as a fan that didn't know a ton about that particular event. Like, what's it like to run through water and your shoes get wet and waterlogged? And some of those things, if I'm willing to ask the questions in a way that is not, you know, too clueless, People that know a lot more than me can tell me what they know, and I try and package that and relay it in a way that other people appreciate because it interests me. Well, I'm not a big fan of water in my shoes, so that would not work for me. 
Yeah, I like the water rides at Kings Island, that sort of thing. But then, you know, you're pretty waterlogged going around the rest of the day. So that's why I was wondering if you're running through a water pit seven times or eight times and around a track. Like, that's got to be a little crazy. <laughs> They're going so much faster, I feel like, than we are that it's probably a whole other thing. Yeah, hard to compare there. But definitely a, a intense event, intense sport. It was interesting that talking to – we had the MAC men's and women's individual champion this last year, and that was part of the impetus of me writing that story. And one of them was saying that they had miscounted the number of laps. So you have this crazy, intense race. But when they got done as the leader, they had said there was still one more lap to go. It's like I'm confident that I've run the right number of laps, but I don't want to risk stopping now. So he took off and ran another lap, and everybody followed around along behind him. So that was probably the hardest lap of his entire life. Right, because that's that's I I ne- you know I never would have thought of that of of well we just miscounted. Yeah, you, you never quite know what happens, but those are the kind of things like I really enjoy the features that I get to write. And you ask questions sometimes, you just find out things that you had no idea that was going to be the answer, and I never quite know what you're going to learn next. So that's one of the things I really like about the job. Well, I, I'm excited for you, obviously, for everything that's been going on. I've been following your work. For a long time, uh, I love being able to check out what you have going on, and uh, just uh, congratulations and uh, all the hard work and everything, kind of continuing to pay off. Thanks, I appreciate it. Uh, exciting what's going on in Oxford. Enjoy being a part of it. That's Tim Carey. You can find him on Twitter at Tim Carey. It's pretty easy. T I M C A R Y. Back with more here in just a couple of minutes. Ottawa's iconic Red Pig Inn is under new ownership. Anissa and Nate Musil, along with Kyle Benrow, have brought back the original award-winning rib recipe to go along with their daily specials. Open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m., but closed on Tuesdays. The Red Pig has great drink selections and a spacious bar and dining area. Come watch your favorite sports on their 12 big-screen TVs, which includes WZOQ's coverage of select Lady Titans basketball games. The Red Pig Inn, 1470 North Perry Street in Ottawa. You know, it might not seem like it, but it is a swim season, and uh, if you're stuck inside, it's a pretty good idea to just uh, sit back and learn. So we talk about St. Mary's swimming with Sierra Rupert and uh, a lot of big things. I mean, you're coming off of a pretty big weekend last weekend in Bowling Green, right? Yeah, we had a big weekend last week. It was a lot of it was our first high school meet for a lot of us because we've been competing in USA and Y meet, so it was really good to all come back for a good big meet together it was a prelims and finals meet and we had a lot of good outcomes and time drops from that it was pretty exciting i think you're being a little bit modest you broke a school record right yes i broke my school record in the 200 im in the a final um some of my other teammates made the a final as well like reese triplet and the a final is basically like the top 10 in the region and you get to compete um, one last shot, and they even do some walkout music, and they just try to get a big like promotion, and it's a really exciting environment to compete in. I guess I never would have uh, never would have thought of the finals turning into a WWE show. <laughs> it gets pretty intense. When you look at that, how different is that for swimming? That you're talking about. Where you- where when you guys are going through your season that by the time you hit your actual high school season, you're kind of pretty far down the tube in terms of, you know, other teams just get to practice. But, I mean, you've kind of already hit that environment. Yeah, so it takes a lot of dedication. 
And we start training in November and we train to March to early April. So at that point, we've already been putting like 12 to 18 hours into the pool, plus weightlifting, plus mental training. And it's just a really long season. And like you, you have to love it in order to put into this dedication and you get out what you put in. And basically, it's just a lifestyle and it's a whole routine from waking up at 5 a.m. to swim to going to school to then turning around after school and putting in more practice and then going to wait. And then it's basically after that, it's homework. So you really have to love it in order to put the dedication in and it just takes a lot of effort, but the outcome is worth it. I would imagine that means too, that your parents really have to love it from the beginning. <laughs> they do. Cause even when you're younger and you don't have your license, they're the ones that have to get up out of bed as well. And it's just, you really, like, I really appreciate my parents help throughout the years. Um, I couldn't have done it without them, but yeah, it's a lot of work for everybody. Now, when you got into this, I know you've been doing this for quite a while. What was the, the jumping off point where you went from, you know, just kind of to learning how to swim to kind of realizing of, okay, I can do more with this and I really want to do more with this. So I started swimming when I was probably five or six. I don't really remember my life without it. And it would start off, we started swimming like summer swim. And then once you're realizing you know, at five years old that you can put your head down and like breathe to the side. You're like, okay, like I can kind of get the hold of this. And so then you like, you can get into um, club swimming at a pretty young age and putting a lot of hours in a club swim because we balance clubs and high school swimming. And so once you get to high school and you've got your club, your background, um, it can really take off from there. I took off at about like age 12 where I started really understanding, understanding like how to work hard and learn all those big life lessons that can take you throughout your whole life. Now, let me ask this because I know that for other sports that the rules are very strict of you can't do anything outside of your high school team while your high school team is in season. Is it that way with Swimming, or is that everything else just butts up against your season? So, yeah. So, we are allowed to continue practicing from our club team. And it's important to keep practicing club because, you know, a lot of your high school hours are, like, available. you got to put in the extra if you want to be an elite swimmer. And um, so, you're not allowed to swim um, high school meets or why meets, sorry. You're not allowed to swim why meets once you start high school swim. You can still practice, but you can't you can't swim meets. Why meets specifically. But you, there's also more benefits to club swimming because once the high school season does end, because um, we swim, like our ultimate goal is to swim at the state level, and we train the most for our high school district meet. But once that is over, we can also qualify for nationals for clubs and you can qualify for nationals all in the same race at districts that your high school meet. So it all kind of comes together, but club can definitely play a big role in your success. I'm 
I'm trying to write all that down and, and I'm drawing a Venn diagram and a bunch of trees and <laughs> I, I can't imagine having to try to keep all of that straight on your end. Yeah, it's definitely a lot and it comes with a lot of, you have to have a lot of mental strength and you like, it comes down to just wanting to put in the dedication and wanting to put in the work. I'll ask uh, about your high school season first because it's the most black and white thing that I know. Uh, last mm-hmm. year, you guys finished fourth in the Western Buckeye League. Obviously, a very good OG program at the top. What's the goal yeah. coming in this year, individually and as a team? Is it to win the WBL or to just kind of build to do something later on? I mean, we have a lot of good teams. Like, Shawnee's got a lot of good girls this year, and they have a good team. And OG has a lot of great swimmers. So, our league is very competitive and we have a lot of great swimmers too we have upcoming freshmen um brady triplet and peyton gable and they could play a big success and relays and so we could very well be up there with these bigger teams when you look at uh at at kind of the landscape you look at the districts and i know this is always the cart before the horse thing but i'm always fascinated by kind of how how this goes on a broader scope when you branch outside of the WBL, when you start getting to districts and regionals and in state, do you know pretty much from the beginning from your club season of who's probably going to be there, or is it because it's it's kind of a, a smaller knit group? Yes, I def we do know who we're gonna we're swimming against, and we know like who are what our opponents are swimming what, and um, you can kind of map it out definitely and. Um, kind of strategize almost in a sense to see am I better am I going to be better off in this event or this event because I'm swimming against so and so here and so and so from OG or so and so from Shawnee so it all kind of plays into one big role in everything I I just have all these these technical questions because I'm just fascinated um, with uh, with the way this goes when you get ready to go to the pool are you thinking about your opponent or the pool or is it just hey i'm going to do my thing and whatever happens happens kind of a mixture of all three you have to like focus on yourself in the sense to put yourself against your opponent but um ultimately you have to worry mostly about your own race but um others um others finishes determine your own because of when you swim at the district level the rule is that the top two advance to state, and after that, it goes from time. So, in a sense, you have to worry about where you're at in your swimming, and you also have to consider who else is swimming and where where your results fall. How nerve-wracking is that if you're waiting to go in on time of doing the math and kind of watching the boards and hoping that your name comes up? Yeah, that was actually me my freshman year. I thought that I had gotten second in my heat, but um, and I was like, that's some like I automatically advanced. I was so excited, and I got out of the water, and my coach was like, there was a girl that had a phenomenal race in the heat above you, and so we're just going to have to wait and see. And my coach's husband was at home, and he was crunching together the numbers of the results from the other district meets. And he was, and it came out that my time qualified and I would made it to the top 24. So it was very exciting, but it was also like 
a lot of emotions at once. I I can't imagine just just being at home and being able to just he probably bit his fingernails off. I would think. <laughs> I was biting my fingers off for sure. With uh, with, with it being such a close knit group in terms of you know basketball and, and everything, football and all the big sports that. There's so many kids playing and so many teams. There's not as many uh, kind of in the area. Do you find that that makes everybody kind of because I saw a lot of uh, a lot of pictures with other schools that would generally be rivals that maybe you guys are a tighter knit group because of that? Oh, yeah, I swim with we, we know a lot of people from clubs because the at Amphi, it was Auglaise Mercer. So, and people came from even for sale to swim. And, and even now that I'm swimming with the Lima Club team, I know all the girls from Shawnee and all the people from OG. And, um, like, I know the people from Salina, Marion Local. Um, I just, it's just, it really comes together as one big family. And you can be with the swimmers that put as much time in as, you do and it creates like a really strong bond and it, it's really what makes this season so worth it because you might not always be with all of your high school teammates right they could be on other club teams R- right exactly and that's how a lot of it is like a lot of the times like we swim with our high school teams in the mornings or in that late afternoons right after school and then around like probably the, around the time of like six o'clock we can all come and swim together and it's we're, we're like we're all just from all over you got to you get to swim with a lot of the same goal-oriented um teammates and um people that like to put in the work like you do i say this as a complete joke but i when you get to go to nationals who put them in canton they couldn't put them somewhere nice and warm <laughs> i know well, we go to North Carolina and to compete in Nationals in Greensboro, and that is, we get to go there during the summer too. After our six-week break from the season, we get to um, start training for long course, which is a 50-meter pool instead of a 25-meter pool, and you can qualify for Nationals and get to be in North Carolina when it's actually nice out. Well, that's a plus because it's probably sure as heck not right now. Yeah, it's uh, not. What uh, what's the, been the highlight for you so far with this journey? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, uh, my biggest um, accomplishments were definitely making it to state my freshman year, and um, I got to swim at Long Course Nationals last year, and that was a really cool experience for me. Well, I, I thank you so much for doing this. I uh, like I said, I didn't know a lot, and I feel like. I don't. I still don't know a lot, but I know a little bit more. Yeah, it's a lot. It's, a, <laughs> it's pretty in depth. I like I said. I, I try to read all kinds of things to uh, to try to sound intelligent to ask you questions, and I just got <laughs> lost and was in a rabbit hole. I know it's hard for a lot um, of people that haven't experienced that haven't experienced sport to understand it. So. Yeah, I'm just trying to keep my head above water when I go swimming at this point. <laughs> yep. When do you guys uh, get back in the pool? When do you go again? We swim at the Lima Invitational next Tuesday. 
Well, I wish you guys the best of luck coming up and uh, all season long. Thank you. I hope that um, our season goes well, and I'm sure a lot of my teammates and I can hopefully reach our goals. That's here, Rupert, talking about swimming all over the world, but uh, also St. Mary's. Back with more here in just a couple of minutes. At Herringhouse Furniture in downtown Ottawa, we have over 35,000 square feet of showroom featuring a huge selection of Lazy Boy reclining sofa groups. Come on over and check us out. I hope you enjoyed the uh, final episode of 2022. Hope to get back into the swing here with more of these in 2023, sometimes the holidays. Get in the way. I hope that everybody is doing well. Thanks to Dan Williamson, Tim Carey, and Sierra Rupert for uh, coming in and uh, joining this little show and for you for listening and supporting it as well. I hope that uh, you've enjoyed it. 23 is going to be big. Hit me up on Twitter if you would like to be a part of the show. We'll talk about anything pretty much on this show as long as it is in a positive light. That's been the uh, guise of the whole show from the beginning. If I don't see you, if I don't talk to you, Around a gym in Northwest Ohio, come up, say hey. My daughter will probably be there, and I will probably be chasing her at some point. There is a good chance that that is uh, that is exactly what will happen. But I hope that you had a Merry Christmas, and I hope you have a Merry New Year as well. Have a great night, and an even better tomorrow. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Around the Hearn. Come back next week for more local stories from the NWO. But until then, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Michael Hearn PBP for more great area content.